0: going to someone's house, setting up a family with 60, 70 megabits per second and at a rate that they can afford, it's, it's, it's really just life-changing.
1: Welcome to episode 420 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Rai Marcatilio mccracken with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Today on the podcast, we welcome Deborah Simpier, CEO of Althea. Althea is a company offering services and software to make operating community networks easier. We talk about their approach, including the unique way they route traffic across the network based on changing costs and latencies. Althea networks are starting across the country as well as across the planet in Africa and South America. Now here's Christopher talking with Deborah Simpier. Welcome to another episode of the
2: Community Broadband Bits Podcast. This is Christopher Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. Today, I'm speaking with Deborah Simpier, the CEO of Althea. Welcome to the show, Deborah.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
2: I'm excited to talk about uh, this approach, which... Is uh, it's very interesting. I think um, I, I know. I see it popping up in my Twitter feed among people that follow this show and follow our writings. Um, it's something that um, I know Jane Coffin and others are very excited about. At Internet society in terms of how Althea is uh, creating new opportunities in in wireless networking in particular. Uh, but what's the if we start off really quickly? What is the sort of thirty second pitch for what is Althea?
0: So, Healtheia in nutshell, is software and tools that empower communities to be able to both build quickly and maintain sustainable networks. Um, And I think that's kind of the big piece here is that um, missing is that we oftentimes approach these things with the build and don't look at how we can um, work together as communities to kind of of address that long-term sustainability piece for our low-income and rural communities
2: okay so we're definitely gonna come back to talk about sustainability i I think that's really important and i I know I have to say looking at you you look young enough that I'm not sure that you were around participating in the Wi-Fi bubble of uh, 15 years ago um, but sustainability wasn't uh, a successful part of that effort to build wireless networks um, I want to I want to come back to sustainability but uh, for someone who's never heard of Althea what exactly does it do so you mentioned it, it's like uh, it's software um, so what exactly does does it provide?
0: So the software component of it is really interesting because um, we sort of look at how we can change and really meet that economic problem. And the 2 care components of what we do are what we call a um, pay-for-forward model. So um, that means that instead of one company or one big monopoly owning all of the infrastructure of the network, the towers, the cabling, all of that, uh, many different participants Business owners, you know, a farm high up on the hill um, or a homeowner in town can uh, make up part of the infrastructure of the network, you know, with antennas on the roof or with cables and relay bandwidth to their neighbors and get compensated for you know, being a part of the network, which means we can build networks together in a cost effective way, um, using private property, uh, instead of public right away, which can be cumbersome and expensive, or, you know, large, expensive, you know, $20,000, $40,000 towers um, that are, you know, overly prohibitive for smaller communities.
2: That's, that's heresy. Um, the idea that uncoordinated people could work together to form some kind of working network without uh, some sort of centralization. How, how would that ever work? <laughs>
0: Well, right. And, and I think, you know, communities have been doing this for for eons, right? You know, they've been building cooperative infrastructure in, in many different ways. Certainly the, the rural electrical co-ops are a great example of that.
2: Well, I was just sorry. I'm sorry to jump in. But I mean, my, I'm, I'm sometimes just totally my dry sense of humor or lack of sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, that's what well, you just described as how the Internet works, of course. Right. And so there's a there's a very good model for it, at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of I mean, that's it in a nutshell. It's like, well, that's how can we streamline this? Right.
2: Sure. So let's, let's come back to that in a second. And let me ask you how you got into this.
0: Well, and I think this is a story that's going to resonate with, with everyone, um, or at least folks in, 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 rural communities for sure. But, uh, so I've been a small business owner of a managed service and computer repair uh, shop for about the last 15 years in my rural community of about 2000, uh, people about five years ago, there was uh, a, like a million dollar grant for this area. They built out some fiber, um, but, you know, watching that kind of story unfold where it really did not meet the needs, we still had people, one megabit per second, um, Internet, the fiber still in our town uh, is sold in 10 megabit per second packages. Um, so we, we had this system that even though there was resources to come in and kind of build the, the initial build, we still did not meet the needs of the roughly, you know, 500 households in this area. From that is, is where we kind of got started working on Althea. Um, and my personal background is also one who, who uh, is very interested in, in like net neutrality and freedom of the internet info, uh, activism. And um, I, I got very heavily involved in that when the, when the debate was, uh, you know, kind of at, at its forefront. And um, you know, just just seeing that all unfold, I think, really brought to to light um, that perhaps the the way that we can kind of change and and keep and hold these freedoms is not necessarily through um, legislative means, or through uh, regulatory means, but perhaps it is through you know owning this infrastructure in a decentralized way. So this this is kind of what also led me to you know kind of get involved in this project and where where, I, where my where my thinking around things are.
2: When you say get involved with the project, does it, do you really mean start the project? Um, <laughs> I, I don't really have a sense of where it came from.
0: Yeah, that's kind of an interesting story too. And I think one that maybe many startups also can um, can can understand. So I had started uh, working on what I called incentivized mesh nets. I, I thought, you know, hey, if we align everybody's uh, incentives, both the consumers and subscribers with the, the carriers, that we could really, you know, make a difference. And I uh, met Jahan Trombek and Justin Kilpatrick, who were working um, on actually the very first iteration of Althea. Um, and started working together. So that, that's how we that's how we kind of met and started the project. They had actually started what is Althea before for me, um, as uh, you know, kind of from the development perspective. And I'm definitely the the boots on the ground ham radio operator. You know, we were working on self-aiming antennas and you know easier to deploy towers and all of these kinds of things. And we um, but we we ended up being a really great team and um, brought Althea to where it is today.
2: And so I wanna I wanna come back to the sustainable element, and then we'll get into some of the actual deployments that are out there. Um, but I started um, about 15 years ago myself in this field, and I uh, one of the things that I, I learned because I came in right at the as the Wi-Fi bubble was bursting um, is this uh, idea of the, the sustainable business model, and for people who weren't familiar in the audience. Um, you know, it, it was an exciting time where people thought the third pipe was going to come. It was going to be citywide Wi-Fi networks. Um, and the problem was that the vendors oversold what the technology of the day could do. Uh, in many cases, you couldn't get a good signal inside the home. It was right also at the beginning of, of streaming video. And so at a time in which... The equipment was underperforming. People's expectations were increasing significantly. So there was not anywhere near enough revenue because no one wanted to pay for the level of service that they were getting. Uh, I shouldn't say no one, but not enough to make a business plan cash flow. And then the business models crumbled, and and some people use that as an excuse to say that municipal systems are are failures, um, despite the fact that it was a larger business model issue. Um, but but the idea of sustainability, I think, is important. And there's a lot of people who come into this and they say, all right. I'm going to embrace wireless because I don't have to do it the right of way because it's something that I can do a low scale and we can build up. Um, So what what does um, what do you put in to make it more sustainable? Then aside from, you know, if I just posit like a group of people that are building a wireless network, how does adding Althea to that make it more sustainable?
0: Yeah, and I, I think to answer that question, we have to zoom out a little bit and look at how the internet is bought and sold right now. Um, right, so right now, internet is is sold on a subscription-based um, model. So the, the incentive for a carrier is to provide you basically the worst possible service they can, the, the least amount of bandwidth for the highest price. Right. Um, and then there's no incentive once you're in that contract or once you're kind of siloed into their um, service for them to um, add in more capacity, you know, or uh, in a wireless capacity to change your antennas. There's, there's, there's no incentive for them. And for, it's actually almost a, a divergent incentive. Um, so when, when we looked at it, we thought, why would you do it this way? know, you don't buy bananas as a subscription. Um, you know, you don't buy, <laughs> <laughs> you don't go to the grocery store and buy your banana subscription. Um, you know, you buy bananas by the, by the each. And, and so when we started to look at how we could treat uh, bandwidth as a commodity and, not only charged by the gigabyte, but in our routing protocol, we actually route based on price as well. So as these networks grow and become interconnected, the the upstream provider for you and your home is going to change on a second by second basis, based not only on, you know, how good of quality and how you know much bandwidth you're getting, but also on the cost. I have a really great story uh, about a farmer who watches over his goats. If you, if you don't mind a quick segue. No, go for it. (laughs) So we have a slider bar on the router um, dashboard. So as your kind of dashboard, you can choose quality of connection or cost of connection. And the router will wait which one, um, which upstream provider is chosen. So we have a farmer, you know, during the day, uh, he just wants to monitor his herd of goats, his does that are about ready as a kid. And so he chooses the least, the best cost for that connection which is a little higher latency um, but probably fine for watching over kidding and dose um, and save some money and then when he goes home at the in the evening to watch a movie what's a little bit better ping, what play a game um, then just slides that over and then the Althea router automatically chooses that better connection
2: so if I'm let's assume for a second that I'm a, a goat herder and i am um i have neighbors who are both using healthy as well um one of them um you know charges more for perhaps a higher quality access and my system can choose the route a or b for which one and and so and in theory there would be multiple over time there's going to be more and more of those and so um i'm supposing that those people are also trading off based on how much capacity they're willing to share Of their connection, because in theory, the more people that are using theirs, then the less they may have available to them for their own use. Is that right?
0: there's a little bit of nuance in that and that, in fact the the system itself is um we use queuing mechanisms to support almost like a so the the queuing mechanisms are at the rattle level um so that you always have the best you know possible experience uh so you have things like zoom calls and uh, go in front of larger downloads that are updates right those kinds of things but that's also um these queuing and traffic shaping uh things are put network wide as well so the the total amount of capacity for the entire Network, you know, or that that connection can do will be available, you know, um, and then balanced between fairly between the users.
2: Now, I feel like you've just put yourself into a potential box for if I was, if, for instance, if I had Will Reinhardt on here, a friend of mine who takes a, a less supportive view of net neutrality, for instance, uh, he might say that you care a lot about open internet freedom, and yet I feel like you've just described a non-neutral network. So how do you how do you reconcile that?
0: the the actual content of the network is completely encrypted in our local networks and only actually gets decrypted um, outside of the physical network itself and in in, in an IX, right? So um, an internet exchange so the actual, none, none of the, the actual content of the network. So we're looking at the types of packets, right? You know, not necessarily the, um, the content of the network. So you won't have a situation where Netflix has a, uh, a greater priority than Comcast or something like that, or HBO streaming, mm-hmm. right? So the content's very neutral and that's very important to us.
2: Great. Yeah. That's what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> 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 I didn't know yeah. the answer to that one.
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and what's interesting too, because as we you know we zoom out, some of our emerging markets are very focused on what they can do for caching and um you know allowing some ch- some types of content through um and, and i I think that there's definitely some interesting opinions around you know whether it makes sense to provide free educational content um But I I feel like the Internet is so big and amazing and we all get different, um, you know, we all get different values from from it, you know, and to, to sort of box and say this is the kind of education that you should have is very difficult for us to support.
2: Now, the way you've described it, I when I was first learning about Althea, I, I wasn't sure if, for instance, I as a Comcast customer myself, um, if I could start a local network and I would be the endpoint and people would use my bandwidth. But that doesn't sound like how you're setting it up.
0: Correct. So, um, Althea networks are the software is for people setting up community based networks, right? Local networks, whether that's a small business an existing ISP can use our software and tools, um, or, uh, that's a, like a community or nonprofit network. Many of our networks are in fact set up as legal cooperatives, which is a structure that works very well. But, um, you know, we are in we envision this uh or these networks are all set up with wholesale backhaul. So you want a dedicated source that's resolvable and then within the network itself it organizes. So if you can kind of imagine that in fact the internet actually should be an entire open access network where people can add capacity and then, then it balances between that. That's the vision and you know, we but we definitely get there through through wholesale.
2: Yeah. So I think it's worth noting. I mean, I think when we talk about local community networks and things like that there's a there's a variety of approaches but your approach really relies on people that have done the legal legwork and and um and are taking i don't want to say taking it seriously because i, I don't want to disrespect people who are very seriously building other types of community networks um but it is a, an approach that is um i would say like is is quite professional it's not just for a group of neighbors that get together and they want to do something on the spur of a moment
0: yeah, I think that we all recognize that the internet is a valuable resource, and um, that it's important for our neighbors to um, to be able to have that kind of reliability, and you know that they expect, and that they that we need. You know, in many cases, this is our access to healthcare, it's our access to education, and um, you know, we, we have a lot of training and support for for our communities and our networks to be able to to operate these professionally, and um, you know, to to install safely and um, to keep. Their networks up and running reliably.
2: So let's talk about one of the deployments. Um, what's your favorite one?
0: <laughs> well, they're all like children. I can't. It's hard to pick my favorite. <laughs> However, I um, I, I we set up our first network here in my community, and being able to see that firsthand and um, see the transition between just having a network that was less expensive and faster and really met those basic needs to watching people, you know, put in infrastructure themselves and to be involved and own and really feel that ownership of the network was, um, you know, rewarding and amazing. And there's really nothing like going to someone's house where you have where they had a bit per second or no internet at all. Setting up a family with 60 70 megabits per second and at a rate that they can afford um, is is it's it's really just life-changing.
2: Now this is this is something that I I I would say that I didn't appreciate until I saw one of the Internet Society um, community networks being built in in Hawaii. And um, and just I think tell me a little bit more about that. Like, I mean, I feel like you take a family that may or may not have much technical expertise. And you you tell them we're going to put an antenna on your house. It it seems like they embrace it and they're enthusiastic about learning the technology in ways that, that they may not be. If you just say, I'm going to throw a modem in your basement and just ignore it and you can use the internet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of one of, one of my favorite stories actually just happened recently in another network, um, where, you know, they they had only century DSL and, you know, appreciated what they did have, but it was, you know, four megabits per second on a good day. People weren't able to, you know, work or um, you know, to school from home and uh, seeing the the local community members build this network. I mean, we built incredibly quickly in four weeks. Um, one of the community members actually was very excited. He was a ham radio operator, already had some understanding of wireless, went out and, um, you know, trenched and, and put up a 16-foot pool himself. And then he built this, it's a, a telecom box, but it was it was like the stone soup of telecom boxes because um, it was repurposed, uh, roofing tiles and hand-stained uh, wood. It's beautiful. It has this feet that's off the ground. It was in all the kind of community. It was repurposed from like all community members bringing a lay had maybe some... Chains and this person had the roofing tiles, and then there's like it's like a little router house <laughs> 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 that was built from the community coming together, bringing materials together, and built that. And then you know, he's now uh, getting 120 megabits per second, um, like 50 megabits per second up. Uh, so definitely changed to his world. Was and he was also very excited to be giving back to the community. He's one of our key relays there.
2: And so how does this work then? Um, let's say that I'm, I want to do this in St. Paul um, and um, I want to use Althea. Um, how do I go about interfacing with you, getting the wholesale and figuring out how, what role different people have? How does all that work?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think well, I, I want to just quickly highlight that there are only 1,600 ISPs in all of the U.S., um, and that seems like a big number but uh, there are like 9,000 boost mobile stores. So which speaks <laughs> to me that it's much more difficult to run an ISP than it is to, um, you know, just start up a mobile phone store. So we we really have tried to um, eliminate much of the friction of all of the pieces of running a network. Um,
2: and if you don't mind me saying, I mean, even at the height of ISPs in the late 90s, I think we were at like 7,500. And so the boost stores still would have outnumbered uh, the number of ISPs in the... The height of the nineties yeah which was absolutely a long time ago when we had a lot of competition at that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we recognize that there is a lot of friction points around the technical pieces of operating a network. And um, so we took a lot of that complexity and um, basically offer full service consulting. um, So we help you with your RF design. We can help you get that sort of DIA or backhaul, which is its whole other nuanced process. Um, And then we have our network operations center that's always available for tier one support. Um, so really through that, and we have supply line, we can help you with you, get your gear. Um, and then we have a a customer CRM funnel, um, marketing materials that are standardized that that you can use and, a, a really great supportive community, um, where we have ongoing support and calls that help with the outreach process, um, and all of that. So really all of the kind of technical complexity and things that would really be a friction point to local networks. Um, you know, we're there to help through that whole process. So first of all, we have folks, um, you know, uh, fill out a uh, proposal, and then from there we can kind of type and um, help you design and build your network.
2: So if I if I did that, then you might say, okay, well, in St. Paul, we we know that you can get good wholesale at at these locations, and and here's recommendations on where you put your antennas and and things like that, and and sort of walk me through it. Now, now one of the things that that seems like a fairly standard, you know, consultant kind of. Um, package rule but one of the things that that's unique about your approach is that then also any customers or people that subscribers that are using it they themselves then um can get credits and so how does how does that come together in terms of how they get credits for the the store and forward and things like that not store and forward but the forwarding
0: yeah so that all happens automatically so essentially as the routing protocol chooses its routes um we have a a billing program that's built in called rita that automatically um counts how much how many gigabytes that you forwarded to neighboring clients um and again remember this is all encrypted so there's no uh no place there where anyone can man in the middle or 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 see any of your data um and then uh, those credits are automatically uh, paid to you so that we use a, a digital stable currency called XDI, um that is pegged to the dollar. So um, basically, you know, some of our clients who have maybe 10 or 15 um, or so our relays that have 10 or 15 maybe subscribers downstream, they uh, they usually get about, you know, anywhere between 50 to $70 worth of XDAI a month.
2: And so the reason for that is in part then... So you have people who are willing to put up relays to extend the network, right?
0: Yeah and I think one of the things too is, is important about our our model is that we also do have a um, a monthly subscription fee that comes out not only just the pay for use so that pays for your local what we call them operators but if that is your you know local cooperative or your small business like for example in Enfield it's Wave 7 Communications and and they help the relays they come with with crew members to install your relay for you and help you with all that technical support so relays don't have to be technically knowledgeable nor do they necessarily they have to contribute any of their own resources although they often do
2: right and you just mentioned enfield which is in uh, north carolina one of the um althea networks
0: yeah that's a really exciting story to um you know uh that, that area has been, you know, I think uh, suffering from lack of proper internet access for a, a long time. And um, we just recently deployed our, our beginning infrastructure there to starting at what well, we call it the gateway. That's where the fiber comes in and where you have antennas that, um, you know, broadcast to the rest of the community. Um, and that's right there at the Enfield Library with support. We use the, the bucket trucks from the local community. Um, I think that's either the city or, or the utility district there. And then we have free, you know, park and access Wi Fi there right at the library. And then we're supporting the library with free internet access. So, you know, to see the community support around this model is really exciting.
2: And is this something that um, is it attracting a certain type of person? Um, is it a, like a more technical like person, entrepreneurial person? I mean, or is this just people who are like, look, I just need to solve this problem? Like, what, what unites your your clients?
0: I, I think it's a little bit of a, a mix. We definitely have seen since COVID more municipalities, county commissioners, um, and uh, you know uh, sometimes uh, tribal governments looking at this model. Um, especially since some of those communities, you know, maybe you have like we we're, we're, um, we hope to deploy late summer in this community called Plush and AL. There's 100 households tops, um, where this is a really great model even for municipalities. Um, And then for our, yeah, so then there's the the entrepreneurial uh, folks um, that are also uh, community minded. One of the kind of big keys here is the social capital. So it's much easier to deploy a community network if Mm -hmm. you are a part of your community.
2: Sure. Yeah, you may may not get along with all your neighbors, but at least you have a sense of what you can trust them to do. and, And you do have a sense that you're all in it together, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in every community, there's, you know, maybe a a person who is a natural community leader, whether they're, you know, president of the Rotary Club, or they're involved in their church, or um, maybe it's a a city mayor, or or whatever, we have these kind of broadband champions who can help coalesce and bring people together and, and support support these projects.
2: Is this something that is only in the United States?
0: Oh, <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, right. Well, so the internet doesn't have borders, you know, so in our software, doesn't either. It's just really exciting. Um, uh, so we have Hence
2: the cryptocurrency, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. That, and that's exactly right. So people always say, well, you know, why are you, why are you doing it weird? Why are you using digital blockchain based currency instead of, um, you know, like Stripe or something like that? Right. So, but we do envision that this platform will be, um, will be used universally um, and, the internet doesn't have borders, so why should our payment protocol? Um, and we currently have networks in Nigeria. We have a small pilot in Ghana, um, but we have another new network going there pretty soon. We have someone on the way to Kampala, Uganda next week um, who is bringing down and starting a new network there. Um, and uh, we have deployed some pilots in South America as well and are looking forward to working actually with Kia Labs in um, Colombia here in the next uh, couple of months as well. So. Um you know definitely, we have a lot more international projects um many uh emerging markets uh or at least in the african spaces um a lot of them are mobile based right so in the u s we have a lot of fixed wireless or we have you know internet to the home with a router and that kind of thing um but there's there's primarily right.
2: it's often well it 's often building off of existing infrastructure right i mean it's it wires that were put in a hundred years ago or something like that or poles that were put in a hundred years ago so um definitely. Different opportunities in places that haven't had that level of infrastructure investment yet.
0: Yeah, that is that's it's part of the reason why it's exciting is if we can you know take this greenfield and build um, something in a community-based model rather than uh, and sustainability right too. There's some other pieces of that that come into this. Um, so our routers also have the ability uh, to be. Um, hotspots right you, Xfinity has kind of a similar model you can do their Xfinity wireless I believe um, right where you get your, you get the app on your phone and then you can roam around with it so we have a similar model in um, in Africa. And uh, so people get an app on their phone, um, and then they can utilize these mobile hotspots or anyone who has a fixed router in their home. And so what's exciting here is we have an economic model where a business owner there can get internet to their, their home or their business, you know, pay the money for the equipment, and then Basically, uh, in kind of a micro lending way, start their internet cafe, right? <laughs> Even mm-hmm. within, within their home. And what's also exciting is that it, it empowers many uh, many women who are, you know, um, uh, to start their own kind of internet cafes within their home, or put a hotspot out near the school, or whatever that looks like.
2: And and that would work by their neighbors would then come over and pay them to access it, or 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 that others would build a new antenna and. And, um, both those things are, um... Yeah,
0: they, they operate as a, a fixed wireless type of node, right. Whether they're either like, um, you know, cabled to other houses or they operate as just a, a Wi-Fi hotspot, um, you know, either open air or something where you have a marketplace or, um, you know, or sometimes, a uh, we, like we have one around a mosque, right. So people can gather there at the mosque and use the, the internet on their mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, the, these kind of like outdoor Wi-Fi hotspots, or you have it where homeowners nearby can use their mobile phones if the signal's good enough.
2: Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. I w- just uh, <laughs> I was joking earlier that I um, you know I was a little more by the seat of my pants here, but I had no idea the international reach of it, so I'm, I'm glad we went down that um, rabbit hole.
0: Things around um, power sustainability, especially in Nigeria, is very um, inconsistent power. So what we're working mm-hmm. on right now is that that kind of full package of sustainable energy, along with that kind of you know, so you're not only an internet hub, then you also are you know sustainable power to keep that internet up and and running um, in, in a in a clean way. Um, actually, many of the the cellular towers and and that kind of thing there are powered with diesel generators. So you just you know walking through the streets and you see this black. Clouds and <laughs> loud generators, right? And then you come into the mm-hmm. Althea neighborhood, and the Althea neighborhood has these solar panels and community members, <laughs> right? Um, so much, much different approach to how we provide internet access. I'm I'm excited that you know we could we could maybe have a, a solid footing. And
2: thank you so much for your time today. It's a it's an interesting model, and I'm looking forward to
1: see how it develops both in the United States and outside of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: That was Christopher talking with Deborah Simpier. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast.